We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And guys, we had a couple of preseason games since the last time we talked, and we lost both of them. And yet, I'm super optimistic about this team after we've got one game left in preseason. And coming into the preseason, I, I kind of want to revisit my anxieties a little bit on you know, what we were and what might happen. And there were two main things. One was, I thought it was important that we switch to a five-out style look. I thought that was most conducive to the talent on the team. And I think whenever you assume a coach is going to do something different than he had done in the past, even if it was just one year before, but Darvin was also a longtime assistant of Mike Budenholzer, who'd been running this style of offense for a very long time, assuming that they're going to change. That's not always how it happens, right? And then the same is true about lineups. I came out of the Denver series feeling distinctly that they were in a different weight class than us. And I was concerned over the course of the summer that we didn't acquire anybody that was kind of that strong guy on the ground, right? Like that burly five was was kind of a, an archetype that we talked about. And yet in watching both of these games, uh, it, the first one LeBron played, most of the Lakers players played, although Gabe Vincent, Vando is still out, a couple guys out, right? But their main crew played and they scored 70 points again part of which was a really big, physically overwhelming group that just kind of overwhelmed the Warriors' main guys. And then again in this Milwaukee game that where a lot of arms, a lot of long arms, contested jumpers, even without LeBron, without Gabe Vincent, the Lakers were so low on ball handlers that Scottie Pippen Jr. was in the rotation. And I've come away with from this preseason, Mike, just feeling like, Okay, they're not the strongest team, but they've got long arms. They can get defensive rebounds. I haven't looked at this squad once and been like, oh, that's a small team out there. And this goes along with like the lineups that Darvin's playing, right? Like, does Darvin have this proclivity to go small? This preseason, a lot of two big lineups and just big positional size. We had like a backcourt of Austin Reeves and Torian Prince. Let's freaking go, man. Like, not even talking about the front court, just the positional size, Mike. And so you were there for the game against Milwaukee. It is so good to have you back, my man. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts on the games this weekend and just this whole idea that I'm seeing a Lakers team that's really tall and skilled, and I'm excited about that. 
Well, I appreciate the kind of words, Pete. It was good to be back. Um, I did miss a couple of games and there no mystery to it. I had to get my gallbladder taken out. So it, it took a little time. Uh, we're brothers to, in that, man. We, yeah, you know, we're, exactly. we're bonded now. Yeah. We're the, the no GB squad. That's uh, right. Me and Pete. <laughs> I heard, Harrison I heard too? gold. Yep. Yep. Wait, Harrison is a no. I, I believe no so. Gallbladder? Here I'm disclosing, uh, you know, wow. Harrison's health information on the pod. I believe that's exciting. So. Um, yeah. I heard Goldfarb is a no gallbladder uh, guy. <laughs> you and Goldfarb, man, we got to get to the bottom. Goldfarb, <laughs> that's right. Well, Darius was talking about chess on one of the episodes I wasn't on, so I didn't get to. Oh, that's I didn't right. Get, yes, get yes. a chance to drop a Goldfarb uh, reference in there, and the fact that he's playing a lot more chess than you now is interesting. Anyway, so for the game. <laughs> Billy actually said something on the broadcast and was it Billy or Stu? They, they were discussing the length of the Lakers and I kind of had to pipe in. And I was like, yeah, th- this is the conversation that we've been having on LFR now for going back two years, just about looking onto the court and whether you're there or, or watching on the broadcast and just being like, this team is small. The rim is 10 feet tall. You know, let's get some bigger guys out there and not losing the skill set on the offensive end. And that to me kind of is the key that the team got longer and taller but it didn't they don't lack for shooting they don't lack for spacing while being able to get longer uh, and taller and that to me is kind of the beauty of what this roster is now and we've been going back and forth about what the ceiling is for this group Pete how many wins is it you know I was a little closer to 50 you said that, that optimally it could be a little closer to 60 and after watching the preseason and just seeing how a couple of these guys fit I'm I'm te- I'm I'm at least veering closer into your direction uh, because wow. of the way that uh, okay. now I don't think I still don't think they're going to get there. I think that's but, but yeah, the, it's not but a I prediction, believe, but you see the talent that they have. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the talent and, and I'm still I just think that the league we've talked about this before, but the league itself um, is going to be tough and the West is going to be tough. But the way the mix of the talent and the way they fit the five out system and then just the general feeling on the team is very strong uh, there. The belief, the confidence and the player that's, for me at least, kind of typified this, Anthony Davis is number one. That there's, he has been dominant. I, I, we can have a conversation about how many players, and I can hold him on one hand, um, are better than him right now. And it might just be like Jokic, and then he's right there with Giannis. Uh, and it's, it's really like D'Angelo Russell coming in instead of the way that we thought his summer was going to go where, I don't know, like, is the number going to be there? It's going to be happy with it. And now he's treating these games really seriously. He's helping on defense. He's mm-hmm. hitting every shot that he takes. He's driving to the rim and mixing up his looks. Uh, he's dropping pretty dimes at the rim. Like he is, he's playing the best that I've ever seen him. And that was something that I don't even know that the Lakers needed uh, relative to what his skill set is. But the fact that he's picked his game up, I think other guys have taken a hold of that as well. And it's just a lot of good things going on, Darius, uh, whether however you're consuming the Lakers right now. There's just a really good team. I remember, Pete, when you mentioned like, oh, I wanted to bring this up about them potentially being a team that could win 60 games. And I was just like, hey, get off my corner. I was just right? thinking this. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's funny. The Lakers are what? Two and three now in preseason games. Darvin has not cared about winning these games at all. He's closed every single game with the five rookie lineup. I watched Golden the G State group, basically. Yeah, they were closing with like Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga. And the Warriors did the same thing against the Kings in last night's game. We're recording this on Monday morning. And I was watching the end of that game and I was like, oh, look, like Kerr went to these young guys again who he clearly wants to get like 
winning basketball reps, like go out there and win the basketball game for us. And, and so mm-hmm. everyone has their idea about what they want to get out of a preseason. That's right. And Darwin is clearly looking at, all right, I'm going to treat these first halves relatively seriously, maybe even go into the third quarter. But fourth quarter, it's all about getting these young guys reps that they're not going to get basically ever again during the regular season. These dudes are not going to play unless it's in the G League. and. It's like maybe the most encouraging to win three loss preseason that I've seen because the stretches where the Lakers have had even 75% of their normal rotation Mm -hmm. playing in regular looking lineups, they have looked like the better team during like anywhere between 60 and 90% of those minutes. Right. Like oh, yeah. the Bucks game was the closest game where it looked like, oh, the Bucks have something for the Lakers. The Lakers were also playing without Austin Reeves and LeBron James and Gabe Vincent and Jared Vanderbilt. And three of those dudes are primary ball handlers and initiators. Yeah. It's it's like the Lakers were below that Mendoza line that you that you've often talk, right. talked about in previous seasons, Pete. And oh, man, that Mendoza line when we were talking about like guys who are six, five. And we're below the Mendoza line. That's right. Right, right. It's just like, this is not that team. No. There's a front court group, D, that I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as that big group to close out the second quarter against Golden State and then to start the game against the Bucks. And that's Rui, AD, and Wood, which I thought was a super interesting trio in which there was one play against Golden State in transition where Rui's going like a bat up like a bat out of hell up the wing attacking the basket and he misses long on the layup and then AD comes in as the second wave and he he only gets a hand on it he just kind of tips it up in the air and then Wood comes in as the third wave and dunks the putback and it's like that's three guys with just a lot of size and force Mike where it's like It's important for a championship caliber team to be able to look a couple of different ways. And so seeing big looks from the Lakers, I also think that Wood's best minutes are very likely to come with AD on the floor. Um, And just like seeing these bigger type of groups, though, Mike, and then again with like guys like Austin, Torrey and Prince at the two, I am very much into. And I think that that has ramifications on kind of rotation questions and things like that. But like seeing the Lakers able to go big while, like you said, not losing any of that skill on the perimeter. It's a total game changer because that's something that really I thought was our fatal flaw against uh, against Denver last year. It was. And I'm I'm kind of centering how this all works with AD playing at the level that he's playing at. And I think that, you know, while Darius was doing the postgame article and you know we were we were texting about this and said the same thing in the group that well when if AD is able to play how he's playing almost regardless if you put a big next to him whether it's Wood or Jackson Hayes or if you put a a small next to him um, if he's just at the five in one of these smaller lineups or if like when LeBron's in the game and LeBron's at the four and then you've got Prince with the two guards it it just seems to all work because AD it's his jump shots working his mid-range is working his three-point shot is falling I still want to get to the point where he's getting more stuff going to the rim uh, but I think that'll happen when he's playing you know more than 19 minutes which may have been as high so far and so like in just against the bucks where did his shots come from four came in the paint and then five came from the perimeter um or i I guess it was one was kind of like a free throw line type jumper 
that's the one thing that I'm, I'm still curious to see how that evolves. And this whole AD, we want you to score from three levels, want you to take six threes. If the balance of that, though, if the jump shot's not falling, and then it's just like, well, all right, we got D'Lo, got Austin Reeves, we got LeBron James. I'm just going to kind of let these guys initiate. That's the one part that I worry some about um, with AD's shot diet. Like, I, I do want there to be a certain amount of focus shots that AD is getting in the paint because there just isn't anybody that can handle him. Um, down in that range. And if they do handle him, it means they're doubling him. And then why not have those shots be open from somewhere else? So that's a little bit of an aside. But as far as the lineups go with him, it the biggest difference from last year does seem to be, Darius, that they're just instead of that, whoever that rotation is coming off the bench, it's it's almost always going to be Wood or Hayes. Uh, and, and in the past, that just wasn't the first person that would come in would typically be somebody subbing for one of the guards. And then, A.D., you still do everything from the big man standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I like that look. Uh, I'm curious if you've been able to pull any thoughts together on it and like what's working about it and why. I have. So let's go to break here. And when we come back on the other side, let's dive in more to A.D. and some of these two big groups. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, so just a quick note on Anthony Davis. I'm, I'm less concerned, Mike, about his shot diet on the interior. Um, Against the Warriors, he went he went to to the paint a bunch of different times. Um, it seemed like someone might have said something to him, or he felt a little disrespected in some way because he was just like, "Okay, Dario Sarge, like I'm gonna post you." And Trace Jackson Davis, he's like, "You're a rookie, like welcome to to the NBA. I'm just gonna score over the top of you and and, and go to to the basket." I also think that the nature of the five outlooks when he's playing from when he's playing with a live dribble from the top of the key, he's not off. He's most often looking to drive on that. He had a good drive against Lopez. Lopez got a great block against him. He Lopez also low handed him, which is something that happens to AD a fair amount. Mm-hmm. I long for the days where if you're going to treat guards like guards and you're going to basically say like this is a foul on a guard because a guard fell down, then give that same call to the big guys who are now looking just as skilled as guards and they're making the same moves as guards. They're getting hit Mm -hmm. the same way that guards get hit. Except they got a hand on their hip. Yeah, Yeah. they end up on the ground and it's a no call and it's like, oh, anyways, (laughs) I digress. AD 
being this versatile offensively is also going to facilitate these these two big lineups. He had a play with Wood in the first half where AD might have kicked it to Wood, but Wood ended up with the ball and he's above the break and he's acting like he's going to shoot that three. And so Brooke Lopez has to rush out to close on him. Wood gets the flyby and then hits AD who dives to the cup and then he gets an and one against Jay Crowder. And that whole sequence was just like, we're not only big, but we're skilled. And Mm -hmm. this is where Mike AD being comfortable shooting his jumper to me is the biggest revelation of the preseason or maybe like one B to D'Lo's level of being dialed Mm -hmm. in. The level that D'Lo is dialed into, like, we could have a whole pod on this. Like, he's looking like a different player to me, honestly. But AD being a jump shooter, Pete, allows him to play with Wood and it allows him to play with Hayes. And that ability to throw out two bigs and play with five out spacing without your scoring being impacted Mm -hmm. in any real way this is where i'm like oh this the ceiling's getting higher for this team in real ways because ad is just like okay well i'm gonna shoot this shot with confidence and confidence is the biggest thing when it comes to shooting the ball and he's just in such a great rhythm. He's he's really a rhythm shooter. Um, and that's something that it's, you know, the stacking days that Darvin always talks about. It's like you're shooting the ball well because of how yesterday went and how the day before that went. And within the context of the five out offense, one of the things I like about the potential attacks on the rim, Mike, to address that point that you were making is in this setup, he has more places to do it from. So that play that Darius was talking about where he got the end one on Crowder off of the, the Christian Wood pass, that corner dive cut is a great, it's got, it's, that's not usually the partner. It's usually the opposite wing where that one dives and then the low man on the weak side uh, has to rotate over and then AD in that spot dives from the corner. Those corner dives for for bigs are just great opportunities out of five out. And so what that does is it gives AD the ability to attack from the middle of the floor, from that top of the key position where whether it's beating a guy off the dribble like a Kavon Looney or in a ball screen type of situation uh, where he's rolling to the rim, he can roll from that direction or he's diving from the corner. So you've got basically that threat of AD putting pressure on the rim at any point from two different directions in ways where both his shooting and the setup of the off offense gives more opportunities for those dive cuts in two different directions. So that's an that's an exciting uh part of this for me. With respect to the rotation and the two big type of lineups, um I've loved what Darvin is doing in terms of it looks like Wood and AD are cuz LeBron comes out at the 6 or 7 minute mark of the first quarter and Wood c- is is coming in fairly soon after that and in the games that LeBron has has played in. And so I think during the 2020 championship run, we started with JaVale and AD. It's similar to this, but we don't start that way, where it's like the AD and Wood combo are the JaVale and AD combo. It just happens in the back half of the quarter, right? And then Hayes comes in in the Dwight role to start the second quarter. That's when Dwight's shift would always start. He would come in at the 12-minute mark of the second quarter, and now you've got the athletic uh, rim roller type of look. And so seeing the similarities, it's flipped in the first quarter, whereas where you don't start that way, but you go to that in the second half of the first 
first quarter, Mike, that was, I was like, oh, this looks familiar. This is kind of, and it makes sense, right? Wood, I think, needs AD's help defensively more than than Hayes does. And so I just, I, I love what Darvin's doing. I guess I would almost state it like this. They've had this level of success, and I'm talking about offense because the defense has been good and, and certainly with AD mm-hmm. there and anchoring that, but without a Austin playing much and we know that works we know just give the ball to Austin works including in the Western Conference finals at an efficient level and they've done it largely without LeBron um, having to do much or anything at all and and so that then makes you just okay well how does this look with those guys on the court full-time and are there any drawbacks to like once you get everybody back do they does some of what AD is doing as as the total focal point and the total kind of guy things are running through? I just don't want that to lessen uh, as everybody gets back. And and yet it's not like LeBron hasn't shown he can carry you know high levels of efficient offense, um, even if it's a little different in year 20 last year than it was in the past. And Austin as well. But that's I'm not this isn't a concern. I'm just trying to to get your guys' reaction to how this all works when you do have the full complement available. I want LeBron eating fruit bowls on the bench, Darius. Uh, that's his <laughs> LeBron eating in fruit bowls in a, you know, his after game clothes on the bench. This is the the vibe we want for LeBron uh, for as long as possible. Well, what I was going to say, Mike, is that one of the issues that I had with last season in relation to AD and his productivity was the fact that he often only got the ball either because of a direct post up or because he got hit as a role man in the pick and roll. Like those were almost any time, like I would say 90% of his touches came from those two instances. You basically had to say we're per- we're purposefully running an action in order to try to get you the ball. He's touching the ball so much more now, Pete, just organically because of the five out system and all of the delay stuff and the ball playing through the top of the key. And so I worry less about his general involvement, Mike, because he is organically getting touches in ways that he just didn't get them. Before And it's going to lead to him basically saying, oh, I've got the ball. This dude, this dude is on me. I'm just going to attack right here because I've got space and you're giving me this look like he flowed into an 18 foot jumper in against the Bucks, And it was just like, oh, I've got the ball at the top of the key. This guy is laying off me. They're running pin downs on both sides. This can flow into a dribble handoff, but I'm just going to walk into this jumper because no one is on me. And that only happened because he had the ball at the top of the key. I, I just think this is such a key point. And it all comes back into what sounds like the defensive Anthony Davis that I'm trying to put on. But critique of ad for not being aggressive enough and not pushing it and it's like well he the way that things were structured last year around him made it harder for him to just be that aggressive and to have the ball all the time and and uh pete am i off on that i just i just think that if you put him in better spots then we see what the talent is the talent has never gone away it's always been there he's always been fully capable of doing a lot more on offense and yet because of the structure that he was in, it's like AD is not aggressive. A- a- every other game, AD and all this BS from last year. So think about the effect of us being tiny elsewhere on Anthony Davis last year, right? I kept saying AD is Atlas because his job was to carry the whole world on his shoulders. He had to get every freaking defensive rebound, basically. We asked him to be 
are big men in the same way that Dwight Howard was on those Orlando teams where it's like, oh, we're going to put Richard Lewis at the four, who is a fantastic player, but a shooter, not a physical guy really at all. And it's going to be Jameer Nelson in the backcourt and Hito Turkoglu, right? None of these dudes do physical things in terms of why they're in the NBA. But Dwight Howard was so incredible at absorbing those responsibilities that he did it all. And so basically we asked Anthony Davis to do that. And what's amazing about Anthony Davis is he's actually really good at that. And, but then after asking him like, oh yeah, we're gonna play Pat Bev at the three, be like, AAD, how come you're not like the pure Hooper that you used to be? We're at, we're putting all this shit on your shoulders. You have a piano on your back. Why aren't you crossing people up? And there's so and are there certain things that he could do? But yes, yes. But like the standard and the, like the asks of him and then the oh, why aren't you like this? It pisses me off in a way where it's like, just give him a little bit of help. And the guy's just and the guy's basically said that for his entire career. And you open up this whole world of amazing basketball player where it's like you got this freaking 6'10", 6'11", Hooper, who's I'm putting my what's his name? Ball don't stop. Yeah, putting my uh, ball don't stop cap on where he's like, you know, using inside out dribbles and shoulder fakes and jab steps. And like, I think we're talking about the same play, the one you brought up earlier, D, where he had Lopez on him. And it was yeah. sort of like a sidestep, you know, yeah. step back type of jumper going to his right. As a right handed player, that's a really difficult shot. This is something Chick and Stu used to always talk about is, oh, yeah, righty coming off of a screen going left. You're already squared up to the hoop. That's an easier shot. But this was a step back going to his right as a right-handed player, as a big man. You are not squared up to the hoop when you finish that move. So you actually have to square up in midair. Kobe used to do – Kobe was the the best ever at this. And so – that squaring up midair for a freaking big man who can also be the guy that leads your team, leads the league in block shots, leads the league in rebounding, that can do all of that, that can also hit that shot. Like, that's an incredible player. And so just give him a little bit of help on the physical aspects of the game, put him in a structure that naturally gives him the ball at the top of the key in space. And all of a sudden, the guy that we saw a couple years ago is coming back. Let's take a break. Yeah, let's go to break here. I love talking about AD because he is just an amazing, like he's, he's just an amazing talent and he was going toe to toe with Giannis and we can talk about the Bucks. Like that was their first game for both Giannis and Dame. I want to zoom out a little bit more now again, and all of the rotation questions that we still have about this, this team, I think that the play of Hayes to me has he missed a shot this preseason? Yeah, like, he did. He, he broke Austin's heart on an incredible oh, that's half right. court. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So he's missed a couple of shots, but Hayes has uh-huh. been great. He had a yes. seven point five rebound or six rebound, four assists, three block game against the Bucks. Four assists. He's been man. passing the ball well. He's been understanding what his reads are. In dribble handoff situations, he's been great at like flipping screens and making the right choices. He's just been doing a lot of little things exactly correct. And that's leading to a lot of dynamic play that you don't attribute to him, but he is a cog in the machine that's allowing that stuff to go, right? And so before preseason started, if you would have asked me, I would have said, I bet 
Darvin wants to play Hayes, but I don't know where Hayes fits into the rotation based off of all of the number of dudes who are in the mix to play. And before last game, Mike, Darvin spoke about this or or it was commented on basically that there's now a question if Vanduul is going to be ready for the season opener. It was more of a we'll see after being confident that that he was likely going, going to be ready. He's got a sore left heel. He's missed the last three preseason games. Talk to me a little bit about Vando, whatever you're hearing, but also how you think that now slots and impacts the rotation. Well, the bottom line is Vanderbilt's not going to play on Thursday. Uh, they've already ruled him out for that. He's still dealing with this sore uh, left heel. And I think that because of that, it's hard not to think that you would just go with Torian Prince uh, in the season opener. Now, that doesn't mean that Vanderbilt can't play in the season opener, but just having, you know, with, and it also doesn't mean that he couldn't slide right into that starting lineup since he's played with those guys before. But just the way these things usually go, if a guy has been out and hasn't played, you know, then they're not going to just start that first game. So I, I think that this hints, to, especially because Prince has been good uh, in those starts. Now, the specific matchup against Denver isn't the ideal one just because of how good they are on the, on the glass. And you know, we saw what Aaron Gordon um, has done with anybody that isn't huge uh, at that type of a spot. And so if... If LeBron's going to be on Michael Porter Jr., well, then is Torian Prince really supposed to guard Aaron Gordon? Or in this case, do you have to have LeBron then on Aaron Gordon? But that's that's a specific matchup we can save a, a pod for next week on. Um, bottom line, though, is I don't know that it's a, a huge concern in terms of long term. But when a guy is missing multiple games and is going to be reevaluated in a week, essentially shutting him down you know, from practices and games, you know, it's it's an injury. And so it's that is the one injury on the team. Um, it, I think Gabe Vincent's back is OK. Like, I think that's something where he could have played. I think they expect him to play on Thursday. Uh, and that's the only other real injury aside from JHS, which which also seems like a minor one um, why they held him out of the game. So that it's it's a concern. But when you can slide Prince into that spot and then still keep the bench rotation um, essentially intact with what it's been, Pete. I, I, it's something that the Lakers can handle, I guess is the way I would put it. And that's part of why I'm bullish on our regular season win total. It's, I think regular season wins, especially in today's era, are just as much about the the depth and the injuries that you can withstand and the nights where it's like, ah, we're going to sit him out tonight. Let's give him a couple of days extra rest to get him right and to then be still be in position to win the game. And so that's one of the things from watching this team in the preseason is I think that we could run a nine-man rotation and have a very good uh, very good nine-man rotation and then have two guys that can still legitimately play on the outside of that rotation for whenever that does pop up and a Vando is out or, you know, and Vando is one of one of those guys in that mix too, right? And so I'm so encouraged by the level of depth that the team has and that it kind of fits a theme. Although Vando for me, D, is five out is such a shoot-pass dribble type of setup and he doesn't do a ton of that uh, of of any of those right he does them to certain degree so wait let me ask you where does he fit in to a five out shoot pass dribble type of style of offense see i would argue that he fits great it's just that he is going to be more of a big on offense and so things will be playing through him at the top and so of shoot pass dribble he's not shoot but he's passing dribble Mm -hmm. He can run dribble handoffs. He did a ton of that in Utah. That's right. right. Like Utah's offense looks a lot like this 
where it's just like playing through the bigs at the top. Oh, we're going to run dribble The stuff we're off. seeing with Hayes, right? Where yes. it's like you're the five at the top of the key, and yeah, you're not going to take that shot, but you're going to flow over to the next guy. And can he roll off of it, though? Can he be a threat on on ball screens? What does I that think look that like? He, I, think, I think he can play in short roll. I think that if he's got mm-hmm. a clear lane, his finishing around the basket is going to be a question because he's not as big as you think he is. He's more of mm-hmm. like a 6'7", 6'8", dude, when, but his athleticism can pop when he's got a running start. Um, but I think he can play in short role and I think that he can make the passes to both corners come yep. coming off of short short roll. I also think that he's a good screener. He can set flares. He can do a lot of things in these actions where it's just like, okay, you may not be you may be the first screen in a double drag. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you end up if you're setting a double drag to the left hand corner, right? Let's say mm-hmm. that there's two man action on one side of the court and there's three players like on the other side. Right. And so let's say it's Austin and AD playing two man game on the right hand side of the court. And then mm-hmm. in the weak side corner is D'Lo. Right. And then it's Rui and and um, Rui Vando. at the top and then Vando and then and then um, and, and, and then D'Lo like is in the corner, right? And so it's right. Rui, Vando, and D'Lo like on the left side. If Vando's the first screener for D'Lo and then Rui's the second screen screener, Vando can screen and stay in the corner. And then it's, and then it's D'Lo coming to, to the top and then secondary pick and roll action with like D'Lo and Rui or Rui mm-hmm. then goes into the post with, with Vando spacing. And they could do a lot of different stuff, right? And so- That's right. I'm perfectly fine with Vando playing in the role that that he's in. But the reason why I posed the initial query to Mike the way that that I did within the context of of injuries and then the idea of Hayes is that to me, Hayes and Prince and Max are like the beneficiaries of Vando being out. Right. Hayes mm-hmm. allows you to play another big. And then with Prince and Max, they are the beneficiaries on the wing. Right. And so if you're looking at Vando as like this perimeter defender on defense, but on offense, he's a big. It's like mm-hmm. he's he's like a, I wear two hats all all of the time. And so the guys who are replacing him, Prince and Max, they're like, oh, well, on defense, we're going to wear the defensive hat that Vando wears. We're going to guard perimeter guys. But on offense, it's Hayes. And I just think that it's opened up some things in the rotation with Vando out and allowed us to learn a few diff- different things. And so where are you at with how the rotation is impacted because of Vando being out and who benefits and how it helps the shape of the roster? Well, the biggest surprise for me uh, is stated a little bit before is that like Hayes being not just kind of a viable part of the rotation, but somebody who can add a different element. Mm-hmm. And this was just, again, based off watching him in New Orleans and looking at some of the net rating numbers, and it just kind of didn't work that well uh, when he was playing. And I think that that's, that level of size now can, if you're not, if, if we're not giving Vanderbilt credit for improving as a three-point shooter, which he very may well have, and he did hit two threes in the one game that he played, but if you kind of take that element out, then there are, there are a lot of different things that Hayes can do, certainly in defending up. Um, that Vanderbilt's not going to do. Mm-hmm. I still don't think that you have that player that can 
defend down though, like Vanderbilt. And so that he, that to me is still one of his best values where any, any of the opponent's best players, one through three, essentially uh, that's hot on a given, at a given time. Hey, Vanderbilt, just go harass that player for a while that I like having that in the bag. And I think that that's going to be his biggest utility still, but it softens the blow um, when you can have Hayes come in and, and fulfill other parts of that. And it just kind of like Pete was saying, when you're looking for your rotation, these there are enough guys that are versatile that you don't that you don't always just have to plug a hole. You can sort of have yeah. a guy that can put his hands over the hole in in different ways. Uh, and and that's that to me is gives the coach a lot more options where it's it's almost hard to make a bad lineup at certain times. If I yeah. just give you Pete, here are ten guys. Put different combos of them out there, and we've seen that in the preseason because whatever the group has been, uh, there there hasn't really been a group that's just gotten its ass kicked. Uh, for a lot of the preseason so far. Very exciting times. Uh, like you said, all the, you know, different variations and there are going to be many more over the course of the season, but really a coach having a tool for every job, for every type of opponent um, that you have is ideally where you want to get a roster and the Lakers have a lot of those holes covered, right? And and pretty solidly. So very excited to see where this is going. Curious about how several players uh, fit in for sure, but we're off to a, a great start despite the two and three record. <laughs> um, but uh, got a little break here. Uh, Lakers play again on Thursday. We will certainly record before then. Not sure if it'll be Tuesday or Wednesday, but until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's in. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Jack with his eighth block shot. That NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen. Brian. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot popping out of five. Brian. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.